You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This is Charlotte Abate, Emily Ballou, and Samantha Omari Sendejas. And this is Young, Scrappy, and Hungry. Welcome back, everyone. Woo, we're here. We are here. Um, in this episode today, we will be talking about uncertainty. And oh, in a time, right, in a time <laughs> where there's so much influx of what is happening, we don't know, nobody knows. It's definitely on everyone's mind. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even like it's specific, we're even going to be talking specifically about like uncertainty with like accepting a job or um, like uncertainty with what to do next or like those types of just, I I mean, there's uncertainty in everything. So we're just going to be covering it all in 20 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So let's head into act one. Mm-hmm. resources oh boy <laughs> all right i will start so the first uh these are both sort of just um articles that i came across um in the past couple of months um the first um is called how to experience art and culture during coronavirus um obviously this is something that we're all experiencing still and probably will be for again, who knows how long, but definitely the next couple of months. And um, it's kind of impossible to like, not impossible, but um, obviously we can't be experiencing live theater um, right now. And so this is a great article on like ways to engage with um, art in different ways, um, just to like kind of keep that going. So you don't have to obviously like give it up altogether because that would suck. Um, and then on the topic of like uncertainty with jobs specifically, um, my second resource is an article about like five, just general five do's and don'ts of, um, accepting a job offer. Um, of course we'll have all these linked in the episode description, so don't fret. Um, but yeah, check those out. What about you, Emily? This week, I have pulled some articles that I came across that I found might be helpful. Um, The first one is from Playbill, actually. Mm -hmm. And it's about what everyone can learn from actors, um, mostly Broadway actors, about dealing with anxiety, uncertainty, and unemployment, the three Mm -hmm. nasty words. (laughs) And in this article... um, a uh, psychotherapist and former Broadway dancer John Carroll is actually interviewed on how um, he is, you know, coping in the time of COVID-19, um, what he's doing and sort of a different advice for how to process um, instead of pushing through things and giving space to take a step back um, and recognize all the stresses that are going on and then how to deal with that and how to deal with the you know, constant cycle of anxiety, um, coping with the endless cycle of unemployment um, and no real light at the end of the tunnel um, Mm -hmm. and just surviving all that stress and in different outlets to do that with Uh, the second uh, resource that I found. um, I've actually been looking at for a few years now um, backstage, very well known among the acting and theater community. 
um, place for different audition postings. But in a time where there's not a lot of in-person theater, if at all, um, many different uh, small theaters and, and other just different places for work are posting lots of remote and virtual work and auditions and that sort of thing. So there's still ways to get involved um, when, you know, we can't go into real theaters. And then I do have a very quick third resource, actually, um, that I check in quite a bit. Um, Broadway.com's Broadway Buzz, they released a day-to-day schedule on different uh, virtual screenings and interviews and events um, that are either performances or just have to do with theater. And there is so much always happening. There's so much coming up. Um, And so it's a great, great sort of calendar to look at on, on what to engage with. And Samantha, what about you? Awesome. All of those are great resources that we all really need um, and take note of. So I actually found um, one resource where it's just like a full-on list of resources for artists and arts organizations. And it's from the National Endowment for the Arts. Mm-hmm. So they created a list um, with just COVID-19 resources response, uh, emergency fund blogs that we can um, look into. So there's a couple from different orgs, initiatives, associations, such as Americans for the Arts, the National Assembly of State Arts Agencies for Freelance Artists, um, American Alliance of Museums. Um, There's one for, I believe for music, there's one with Billboard, Backstage, Chamber Music America, there you go. So (laughs) many different places um, to be able to just see uh, what could be done right now during COVID-19 and also how to pick back up um, with any different types of um, artistic happenings Mm -hmm. that are going on and need to be done. Yeah. Love a resource within a resource. Right? Awesome. Um, again, we will be having all of these resources linked in the descriptions. Um, but thank you so much. Act two. Uh, here we have Cristian. Cristian Mendez Aguirre is a theater maker and researcher based in Austin, Texas. He's a second year PhD student in performance as a public practice in the Department of Theater and Dance at UT Austin, where he studies the relationship between contemporary American theatrical performance and the science of climate change. As a practitioner and teacher, Cristian integrates current production processes, establishes equitable approaches to theater education and self-development. Recent directing credits include Everybody by Brandon Jacobs Jenkins and Mr. Burns, a post-electric play by Anne Washburn. His work as producer and director has garnered him and his collaborators a total of 10 nominations from the citywide B. Iden Payne Awards Council. Welcome, Christian. Yay, welcome. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for having me. Yes, of course. Thank you so much again for your time uh, and for being a part of this conversation today. Um, first off, I want to ask how you're doing. Um, how is 
everything going on for you right now. And also, I do want to give a congratulations to Christian for his recent nominations for his production of Everybody. Congratulations. Mm, congrats. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, I think things are going as well as they can. Um, there's a project that I'm working on for February, and that's been like the main thing that I've been like stuck on today. Like I haven't really made much progress, and um, yeah, I'm kind of feel- I have a lot of feelings about not being able to make progress. But other than that, I think I'm I'm okay. I'm healthy. I have access to COVID testing. I have internet where I am. I have food. I, I, I'm okay. <laughs> awesome. I'm okay. Thank, thankfully, you do have those resources mm-hmm. open to you. Thank you. And yes, we'll get we'll get a little bit more into um, any recent projects that you have coming up. But let's go ahead and start with this interview. So, with first off, let's get to know you a little bit more. So, what made you decide to pursue? an MFA and now a PhD in performance as a public practice. And what, what was the inspiration behind your research and study? So I actually decided to um, go to graduate school for theater. And I also at the same time decided to sort of commit to theater um, because I wanted to learn how to collaborate. I, when I was an undergrad, I did, a lot of activism, like environmental activism um, with my friends and with my classmates in some pretty stressful uh, spaces and scenarios. And I got really burned out because I felt like we were trying to reclaim or like to demand countries like the U.S. or like governments like the U.S. government to like respect um, other countries that have like less resources or less money or less ability to adapt to climate change and things like that. So we were asking them essentially to collaborate and to be mindful of each other and to value all life equally, all forms of life equally. And I felt like that wasn't really happening within the activist groups themselves. And to the point that I was an activist, but I was also an artist. And I I, I often felt like my contributions um, were not necessarily not valued, but it wasn't clear to me exactly how they were important. So I decided to um, spend a lot of time and energy, especially making theater, because theater in in theory is something that is a space where you ideally have to learn how to collaborate. Like, it's just part of it. Like, you cannot do it by yourself. And if you do, well, it shows. (laughs) Versus uh, there's other things... Uh, that you can do by yourself. And so that kind of decide, decided, helped me decide to to study and, and become a theater artist. And as you were saying, like, it definitely influenced what I considered my research. Like, the fall, the second year that I was at UT was the same fall that the Me Too movement broke out. And I don't remember, Sam, if this was, Samantha, if this was before your time, but there were some instances of, like, um, for lack of a better word, like, uh, violence, like um, like emotional and psychological violence in rehearsals at UT. Mm-hmm. And it was at the same time as the Me Too movement was happening. It, there wasn't sexual harassment to my knowledge, but I, w- I began to wonder, like, why is it that this thing that happens in Hollywood is also happening here in our classrooms? And if it's happening in the rehearsal rooms, like, how can we change it? Like, where does it come from? And that began, like, a four or five year long um, stretch into trying to figure out 
where those things come from. So the short answer is like, I never really joined it because of the glamour of the stage. I, I've always just been like, or I became fascinated with what does it mean to collaborate well? And what does it mean to exist as part of a community um, in an equitable and mindful way? And that kind of, um, I don't know, that, that got me through my MFA and, and that made me want to stay for, for my PhD as well. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do afterwards, but those are the questions that I'm sitting with right now. That was a long-winded answer. I'm going to try to be more conversational. But... <laughs> no, you're good. No, awesome. I I loved everything you just said right now. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Um, no, I, that's, think that's, I think that's so true. Like, theater is, it, it's basically impossible to do it without collaboration. And, like, that. I feel like that's so, like, cool that that's why you pursued this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, definitely. And I mean, best of luck with the the rest of your research uh, and studies in the program, too. Um, I'm, I'm so excited for all that you're going to do. Awesome. So then uh, to move on to the next question, especially now focusing in on the theme, which you've already discussed about, too, is like un, um, uncertainty of just like what to do, what can we do to bring um our work in together, especially now during this time. So um, I do want to ask what experience have you had where you had to sit down with yourself and really think and decide on what to do when there were questions about projects and job opportunities? So you're basically asking me like, how did I, how did I handle like not being sure about a project or a job opportunity? Perfect. (laughs) Ah, okay. I think there's a couple of things. Um, being able to be cl- have some clarity as to why I do theater uh, has helped me kind of navigate um, how to use my time. And so, and, and some, Samantha knows this uh, perhaps more than um, the other wonderful co-hosts, but like I, that has resulted in me like self-producing a lot of my work. Um not so much because I wanted to be like the center of the show, but because I I felt like I, the questions that I wanted to answer for myself were harder to answer if someone else had like the um, the um, institutional or like the creative purpose for the project, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also didn't always have like access to resources to produce, et cetera, et cetera. But um, so by the time that I began to be asked to collaborate with people or began to get um, offers to work on projects or to like both at UT, but also around the city, um, I think I began to ask, to sort of ask myself the questions like, why do I want to do this? Um, And in some cases it was because I wanted to not have to produce my own work. Like the last play that I directed at UT right before COVID hit was a show that was produced by the department. And I was like, great, like this will hopefully let me focus on only directing. Um, And there was a lot of like a lot of things I learned in that process. But um, I think that was one of the things that I was weighing is sort of like, why exactly is it that I want to do this? And so sometimes, yeah, that was the answer. And then when it came to taking on projects outside of UT, I definitely felt like I wanted to do those because um, I feel like work that you produce by yourself is, isn't always seen as like equally valuable as when someone else produces something for you or like you're working with 
quote unquote an established theater. So you know, mm. technically all the shows that I did at UT were not part of the departmental season, with the exception of this last one. Like you know, there were things we kind of did on the sides. Um, and I, I think I had a little bit of like a self-esteem issue with that for a while. I was like, is my work equally worth equally good if I'm the one making it happen? And so since COVID, I've kind of realized that that is BS, like, and, and that's a longer conversation, but there is a lot of value that, that can be found in, in producing and making your own work. But I think that was one of the kind of the drivers, uh, by the time I had, I, I began accepting, um, like work outside of UT. That was one of the things that was like, yeah, I, I was just like, well, I want to establish myself in the field. I want to be recognized. I want to be seen. So that's why I'm accepting it. But both of those kind of purposes are really specific to my wanting to be a director or a dramaturg as opposed to being an actor, which is one of the reasons I have a lot of respect for actors and I could never be one is because you really are given the reins of your time, your life, and in many cases, even your body and your mind to someone else's vision and that's a lot of trust yeah for for a lot of us um for a lot of us like in our undergraduate career graduate career or just anyone really trying to figure all of this out we're just trying to ask ourselves so many questions of should like the what ifs and the how to's um so thank you for that insight that you've had within your experiences and I would say, sorry, Sam, uh, Samantha, I would also say that those what ifs and should I's are super valid because like on the, on the one hand, you know, we're told like, you know, take every opportunity that you can, like make the most of, you, of your training or your education. But sometimes that results in like A, us being burnt out and overstretched, which I have yet to meet a theater person that isn't burnt out or overstretched. But also, even when we're not like not every experience in the theater is pleasant and I think there, and, and we can harm ourselves or each other by learning how to collaborate because we're learning and so I think some of those hesitations are super valid of just being like should I work with this person like something didn't feel right last time but should I do it again should I try it again I don't know. yeah I, I was gonna say I I totally agree and I think like being like learning to sit with on a certain level of uncertainty at any point like and be comfortable with it um, is so important, especially in theater. Like you don't need to always have the right answer or like any answer. Yes. It's important and hard and exhausting mm -hmm. and like all of those things. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, now moving on into um, a little bit of what you discussed in the beginning about a, a certain project that you have coming up in February. Um, what have you been working on during this interesting time and what projects do you have coming up? And if you could discuss a little bit about them. Yeah. So uh, there's this script that I have been in love with for like five years. Um, it's called Hedda, actually no, three years. It's called Hedda Tron, like Hedda Gadler and Tron as in like a robot. Mm. And it is uh, Hedda Gadler with robots, basically. <laughs> and it's a script that I had been wanting to produce myself for a while, but there, you really do need to have something remotely close to a ro robot, and you need five of them. Oh, wow. And last year was the last year that I could pitch for the season at UT because after that, I wasn't sure that I was going to be on campus, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I pitched it, and I 100% did not think they were going to accept it, but they did. <laughs> they did and so I found that in January and then up 
through May, uh, we were working on the designs for that show. But then as it became clear that, you know, the school year wasn't going to be what it was going to be, uh, we the designers actually asked me if, since we were going to have to pivot pretty significantly, they were like, well, is this the best? Is Heratron, like a play about a white woman in Michigan who gets kidnapped by robots, is that the, the story we want to put our effort in right now, uh, both in terms of COVID, but also um, the protests in the wake of the killing of uh, George Floyd, uh, Ahmed Arbery mm-hmm. and Brianna Taylor. Mm-hmm. And so I really, I was the last one, it was a team of seven people and I was the last one to to agree to focus on something else because I was so attached to that script and it felt like the outcome of so much work, like um, to try to, you know, earn the respect of the faculty and earn the respect of, and yeah, of people to trust me to do a project like that, to then be like, you know what, never mind, we're going to do something else. Uh, I was kind of the last one to to agree, but I'm glad I did. And so what we settled on is what are the stories that are not being told by the media? And also, how can we use theater to make sense of what's happening? Because it's really hard to make sense of everything that's happening, especially when you pull it all together, like the election and um, and like all the the wake of the protests and the and the still the reverberations of the protests, climate change, the higher educational crisis, going to school over Zoom, personal health, dating. Like there's just it's just a really intense time to be alive right now. And so, um, and for a lot of people, it it always has been. It's just the pandemic made things a little bit more evident. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So I was like, I think that kind of became our north star. It's like, how can we make sense of of all of this through theater. And so we are working on a documentary theater play uh, that right now doesn't have a title, although we call it Docutron, uh, as a way to <laughs> honor what it would have been. And we're interviewing frontline workers. We're interviewing um, folks from a range of professions in different parts of the country about their experience with the pandemic. And then we're kind of stitching those up together into a, a script. And the hope is to present that sometime in February of next year as part of the season still. Oh, wonderful. No, yeah. Documentary theater is so exciting, especially in a time like this when everything is in such influx. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, specifically what you said too, like what's not, what's not heard and what's not seen so much on the media. Um, a lot of those stories and a lot of those experiences and voices do need to be heard and need to um, be, ch- uh, I don't know about the word cherished in a way. There's a- another better word for it, but just, yeah, like really heard and really, yeah, just to really make a space where people are understood. So I, best of luck, break a leg. I'm so excited to see it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Awesome. So um, now to close this all up uh, with everything that we have talked about uh, throughout this interview, what advice do you have for aspiring artists who are trying to navigate through this time of uncertainty? And how can we start to bring theater back into our lives with the circumstances that we are living in right now? Yeah, I, okay, I would say, um, I feel funny giving out advice because, you know, I'm still in school. (laughs) And so, uh, and I, 
one of my mentors in undergrad, she's great. She, her name is Jodi Baker. And she had this phrase uh, that said, like, I hate it when people say, like, this is not rehearsal. This is the real world. And because she was like, if you don't think rehearsal is the real world, you either need to go to an actual rehearsal or reconsider your notions of reality. Um, <laughs> I love that. It's super sassy. But yeah, I, I think it's true. And and I don't think school isn't the real world. I think school is just its own world uh, with its own kind of demands and things like that. Um Honest. So I'm just gonna speak to uh, the the kind of the the things that ex- that I'm excited about and the things that I I think are interesting or like maybe things to um, as you were saying Sam cherish, in hopes that any of this makes sense for anybody else. Um, because everybody has different you know circumstances. I would say that one of the things that's exciting to me about all of this uncertainty, first of all, is that. If there is a group of people that knows how to make things come together under immense pressure, a lot of emotional investment, exhaustion, and very little financial compensation, is theater people. I think True. we are like primed for crises like this. Um, and I think what's really tricky is that the thing that usually gets us through these through those productions, the fact that is the is the fact that we're able to physically do that with each other. And even if we spend like 11 hours, which nobody should and I never have, but if someone spends like a ton of hours working on something, um, 8, 9, 10, 11 hours, you get to, you know, walk home with someone and know that you just both put in a ton of work and you're now you're both going home and you're part of this community. So I think what's hard for us, even though we have all that skill set, is that the the probably the most precious thing of our work is precisely the thing we can't do right now. Mm-hmm. But I think if we are able to... Um, for a second, like, you know, cover the sun with one finger, I think we can see what's around it and see, like, we have all these other things that we know how to do, you know? We've known that our bodies and our emotions are part of our work much longer than people who work in other professions. Uh, we don't always take care of them because we're humans and et cetera. But um, we've known that, um, I, I firmly believe that deep down people in theater know that uh, working together is better and and leads to significantly better outcomes than than working by ourselves. And so in that regard, I think my advice is just like, you know, trust the reasons that you joined or like re-examine, revisit the reasons you joined theater, like see what things you already know um, about how to make work to live your life right now and kind of hold on to those things and value those things because just because, you know, um, academia or even like the financial market doesn't value those skills of collaboration and, and centering the body and, and listening to multiple perspectives and thinking through many disciplines together like that those are the things that we need right now and the, one of the reasons that I do theater and I think it makes a lot of sense to 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 think about um, crises like this through theater um, as far and another thing that's exciting is that honestly and this is an unpopular opinion, I think there's um, too much theater that gets made just because theater people like theater. Mm -hmm. I think that is a perfectly valid reason to make theater. I'm not here to shame anybody for making theater. I make a bunch of theater. But I think that some of, I think we might have lost a little bit of like what the real purpose or value it is for other people. Yeah, Um, the integrity. Yeah, the integrity, but also like what is the thing that it really does offer? Like, 
is it that it is a, a Shakespeare or, you know, a play about mm-hmm. the Simpsons, like the one I did? Or mm-hmm. is it the fact that, like, we don't really get to sit with each other anymore and be quiet without being on our phones? Yeah. Is it that um, watching something live happen in front of you without any idea of how they did it? Is that exciting? Or is it the fact that, I don't know, maybe you... Again, like you, you do something that you normally don't do because of how fast our lives are. And so, uh, this again, long-winded answer. But um, I think it's a really good time to embrace that uncertainty and be like, why, why do we make theater? And like, why should we keep making theater? Especially since in this country and in mine, it has upheld so much white supremacy, so many practices that are harmful to many people. Um, like, what, what do we want to keep from all of that? Because I think there are great things that we want to keep from that from that but i and i think the young the scrappy and the hungry are the people who know what are the good things to keep Mm -hmm. um from theater but um so i would say that and as far as incorporating it back into our lives um i think it's tied a little bit to like what is the what is the thing that that brings you to theater and how you make sense of it so like you know i used to love rehearsal and like i always said that rehearsal is the reason i put up with everything else about a production um and so I've been thinking about like what are ways that I can think of parts of my day as rehearsal, uh, as a space where I am just to try something and see if it sticks uh, so that I can be a little bit more patient with myself. But, you know, other people do it because they miss, you know, presenting or performing themselves. And I don't know, does that mean you have a different Zoom background? Mm. Does that mean you and like you really kind of, you know, perform? <laughs> um, <laughs> do you put on a show in the all kinds of senses of the word, like through your window for someone out in the street. Like how can you use the things that you liked or that brought you to theater to connect with the world around you as you can? Um, Yeah. I think those are the ways, those are what I think are like some of the seeds where theater is going to be um, to regrow again. And I guess the last thing I'll say, and again, I realize I'm being long winded here is that um, in some senses, like it's kind of exciting to me that in a city like Austin, uh, most people don't make a living out of theater and many theater companies didn't need to pull in revenue to continue to exist. Like, sure, it was a huge hit to have all of those shows canceled. I had my first professional production uh, canceled. It was going to go up in April. Mm-hmm. But I know that like as soon as there's a vaccine or as soon as things are safe to, to go back again, I can regroup at least my little company on the UT Austin campus fairly easily. And so I think that um, in some ways, like the smaller companies in cities like Austin that have smaller companies might be more resilient to this crisis than like big, big, big theaters like the Guthrie or the Bully Mammoth, which I love those theaters. Um, but I think there's some, a real strength that like smaller and, and students like like us and like and like young people like you and I, uh, you all and me that uh, have a different that I think we have less of an attachment to doing theater the way that it's always been done. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm gonna stop there. <laughs> <laughs> I well, love I love what you said about the um, like taking like you really value you really loved like rehearsal and like so you like put your mindset into like a rehearsal space for like a non conventional like activity I think that's like a really really interesting way to like get your mindset back into like a sort of a theatrical or what you loved about theater but like obviously without like doing the actual actual theater because we can't right now I think that's like incredible advice that I've never thought about 
and and honing in on what is it that really grounds us to want to do theater and the reasons behind doing theater and and whether or not you know the pre-covid era um theater industry is something that we want to go back to or sort of evolve from Mm. absolutely yeah and i think i mean I don't know what y'all's experience has been in studying or learning theater, but I just don't know that that kind of reflection of of who we are as artists or why we want to be artists is embedded is is like kind of built in our education. Like I think there's this whole talk about like who you are as an artist and like you know uh, what is your artistic vision. And for me, it's less about the vision. Like I don't know that I've 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 set out to see, to say like this is my vision for what theater wants to be. And it's more like as I said at the beginning, like I have a, a reason why I do it. And if I get other stuff outside of it, that's great. And and I have to do a ton of work to get that little thing. But um, that perspective about collaboration, but I don't know that I'm always encouraged. Uh, and this isn't shade to my teachers. I just think, I don't know that they were encouraged either. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that's a key, that's a key, a key thing. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm taking so many mental notes of everything that you just said right now <laughs> every christian seriously like thank you so much for being open with us about um the experience of certainty in theater right now ask someone who is also going through it mm-hmm, um right. this this we this is the platform there needs to be a platform for a lot of these discussions to come about, not just, uh, not just be like, oh yeah, like it's it's a very interesting time. We're all gonna get through this. There needs to be a lot a lot of dialogue of how are we, how are some of us going through this? How are some uh-huh. of us actually creating work going through this? And what is our mindset right now to keep us doing what we love without the traditional practices that we are so used to? I agree. And I honestly, like, one of my little dreams is that, like, you know, I love American theater. I love how around I think they're great. But I think we need, as you said, more spaces to have these conversations, like y'all's podcast. Uh, but, like, what would it look like if we made zines, you know, about mm. theater? Like, why we make theater? Like, more, like, small, like, indie ways of thinking about theater that aren't just all... Because otherwise, we're all subservient to... Uh, again, no shade. I know this is called the Broadway Podcast Network, but we're all, you know, Broadway becomes the center of, of the theater world or the or the Lord uh, theaters become yeah. the center, like the goal that we all aspire to. And I think that's fine if that's some people's goals, but what if it isn't everybody's, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. No, oh, yeah. What a, I, unfortunately, like we have to wrap up. I would really? love to talk to you for a, much longer because I think what you're saying is so interesting and like like you guys are saying it's it's so important to be having these conversations about why we love theater how we're getting through this time to and connecting with that love of theater while not being able to do it and reconnecting with like sort of like the ground zero of theater um and again not like the huge like broadway like craziness that we're kind of used to um but thank you so much for being here I thought everything you said was so interesting and valuable. Um, And um, I don't know what else to say. (laughs) Thank you all for having me. Of course. Thank you. Again, thank you so much for your time and consideration for this. I hope that you and your loved ones continue to be safe and well. 
-hmm. keep us updated Mm -hmm. on any projects that you have coming up so excited to see your project that's coming up in february again keep us updated and best of luck and break a leg on everything especially during this time too yes thank you thank you thank you all so much yeah i'll keep an eye out for the for the episode and and i'm also gonna go back and listen to the rest i i listened to the first one like meet the hosts but i'm excited to hear the rest of the of the season love it thank you (laughs) thank you so so much take care All right, let's go into act three. This is our Q&A slash like discussion session. Um, We have two questions today and then we'll kind of just talk about the topic in general, our experiences with it and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So the first question um, is, is there any advice you could give on ways to deal with the anxiety of living in this time of such like huge uncertainty? Mm. What, What a question. What a question, that's for sure. I think reminding ourselves that we're all in the same boat, more or less Mm -hmm. with this, that nobody is very sure on anything um, and we're all just waiting for something to happen. Um, And just remind ourselves that like we are all together trying to figure it out. Um, Not just trying to figure out our careers, but just trying to figure out life. I got some really great advice the other day, actually. Um, My good friend, he told me that although at this point in our, you know, young adult lives, we think this is supposed to be, you know, one of our peaks, when it really doesn't have to be. I have never thought that. Girl, anytime anyone told me when I was in high school, I was, everyone would be like, oh, college is going to be the best time of your life. I was like, you're lying. I hope that's not the best time of my life. Like that's right. a, that's a really like really young age to peak. Like yeah, so. right, right. We're always striving, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, um, yeah, definitely. Oh, sorry, you were go for yeah. it. Okay, awesome. Um, no, yeah, definitely. And also, Christian said it too. It's okay to feel these things. Mm-hmm. I mean trying to figure things out like again we're we're young we're we're like taking it step by step and I think that's the most important thing that we're just trying to take it step by step Mm -hmm. um and there's so many different forms and ways of doing that too depending on the person also depending on the uh resources and um positions that they're in again like it's valid. It's okay. And honestly, I would question, I don't know if this is going to sound pretty rude and I apologize if it does, but during this time, I would question if you are not going through mental breakdowns. Oh, not yeah. going to lie. Um, honestly, I true. Would, yeah, I would be concerned, but <laughs> again, everyone handles it in a different way. Um, and actually met up with some mentors this week and got some advice and they just said right now honestly just know that things are happening things are happening one way or another and we can really learn from that so to take note observing observing will observing can be an amazing source of education right now yeah and I I would say I think the one thing that 
helps me to think about. I mean, I let's be candid for a second. I'm a very anxious person in general, like on a regular day. So obviously this has definitely like, like Emily and Samantha said, like this has thrown all of us through for a loop. But um, like this is anxiety on top of anxiety for me. And so the one thing that like I kind of think about a lot is this is not permanent. And I mean, you could say that in any situation, this is not permanent. Um, uh, COVID aside, pandemic aside, nothing is permanent. Nothing is forever. And I, I, I mean, maybe not nothing. I don't know. But the general, in the general we don't sense, know. nobody knows. We don't <laughs> no know. one knows. In the general sense, nothing is permanent. Nothing is forever. And so I would say, just focus on the the right now. Don't think about how long this is going to last. Don't think about how. Like for me, I find it incredibly hard to not be future thinking. I'm always thinking about the future and never focusing on the present. And that's something mm. that I always like have to work on, especially during this time. And so I would say just, I, this is so generic, but just try to be present um, in the current moment, take everything step by step um, and know that this isn't forever. Mm-hmm. Period. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, That's exactly. It. It's closed. It's closed. <laughs> yeah, we just solved everyone's anxiety oh. with that one answer. You're welcome. <laughs> anxiety, I don't know her anymore. No. Mm-mm. that's it thank you for coming no I'm kidding I'm kidding yeah but <laughs> all right awesome no yeah um shall we move on yeah yeah what's our, what's our last question Next all right question. our last question is what is something we are looking forward to future theater industry wise mm. oh god I don't even know I mean obviously I it, um going back to Christian's interview I'm I'm really looking forward to what changes in the theater industry because of this like what innovative ways people like artists like ourselves think of to not only deal with this current moment but also to like move forward when it's like back to quote unquote normal when the this pandemic has not gone, but like calm down, I guess. Um, I'm just looking forward to seeing what, what changes, what happens. Um, if, if there's, um, God, what am I trying to say? If there's more like more plays that are, um, more plays and musicals that are of new topics. I, I think one thing for me that I was really, not vibing with in terms of um, specifically Broadway theater um, was the fact that everything was being adapted from a movie or a TV show or something. It was like all about remakes and all about adapting things to theater. We want original work. That is something that I have been saying for years and it just drives me crazy I understand that like like sure Mean Girls and like Legally Blonde and whatever else they're great bops but (laughs) but I just I wish there was more original stuff like I don't want to see Pretty Woman the musical I love that movie it's literally one of my favorite movies revivals too revivals (gasps) so many revivals um once in this island revival 
absolutely loved. I could go on for days about it. But mm -hmm. just looking at a lot of the shows that were, you know, slated to make, you know, a comeback to Broadway um, that were either canceled or just were on on the set list yet. Like, I I love Music Man. It was mm. a great, you know, community show. We don't necessarily need a revival of it. No. And and I, 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 I in the class um, that I took with Natasha Davis in one of our future um, guests, I, th there was a, one of the producers of, like, co-producers of Mean Girls Broadway came on and was talking about, like, why this is kind of happening. And it's really all about, like, intellectual property and, like, mm -hmm. how easy it is to um, gain access to, like, already um, their IP. And also to um, get a fan base that already exists <clears throat> to move to a different medium because people are already excited about and, like, engaged with this, like, there, people are, were obviously very engaged with Mean Girls already, so it was easy to transfer that audience to um, theater and not have to gain a, like a new, a whole new audience. And I get that, like, it, I get it, but that's mm -hmm. like that just like takes out so much of the artistry um, for me, at least. I mean, maybe a lot of people love revivals and remakes and uh, readaptations and things like that, but I'm just bored at this point. I'm, I'm tired of it. And I feel like because of that, especially, I mean, I, I think y'all see this on Twitter, but whenever a revival or just anything that has already been done, um, specifically in Hollywood too, uh, more than anything in Hollywood from what I've seen on Twitter, um, comes up or is marketed, everyone's like, again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? mm -hmm. we, don't, we don't want this. The original was great. Don't yeah. touch great. it. And while like a lot of us are pretty excited for a lot of these remakes, we're really excited for them. That's not what we're asking for right now. And because yeah. of that, I'm really excited for and looking forward to in the future of the theater industry and honestly for the arts industry as a whole mm -hmm. for a lot of the people who are feeling the same ways that we are to bring in and pitch all of these new ideas that people are coming up with a lot specifically during this time too yeah um I remember in the beginning of of quarantine there were people being like it's going to start a new arts renaissance and, you know, let's, let's see where that goes. Let's see how that happens. Right. But um, yeah, that's something that personally I'm looking forward to and I can't, and I can't wait for, for all of that original work and stories and experiences and needed experiences and stories mm -hmm. to be on stage. Yeah. I, I, and I was going to say like, just to your point of like, um, just going back to like the remixing, I'm sure like whatever have more of those, like, cause people are excited about them, like you said, Samantha, but there needs to be a balance. And right now, or like before Corona, there wasn't, um, in my opinion, there wasn't really a balance of like original new work versus remakes and uh, readaptations and things like that. So that's something that I really need. I need it. Mm -hmm. Something that I've been thinking about a lot this week with the recent announcement of um, uh, the American Theater Wing's recent 
announcement of the 74th annual Tony Awards, mm-hmm. um, the biggest mm-hmm. event all year. Yeah. Um, you know, in a time that the industry has been engaged in so many conversations about the state of theater and how it can reinvent itself um, more equitably uh, for the future. Um, I'm also really looking forward to, you know, seeing seeing where that takes us. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot. Um, I think it would have been incredible to see a reinvention um, of the Tony's categories. And this might be a hot take on my part. Um, but, you know, sort of seeing why we're, we're so stuck on the binary um, and moving away from that. Um, and, you know, why, um, I, I don't know, reasons why the league uh, didn't, you know, choose to combine um, actors and actresses in the same categories, um, considering that they're only like, what, five of them eligible total, um, you know, reflecting that that conversation um, about how, you know, characters, it don't always depend on, um, you know, gender identity and, and really? performance of that. Um, also, just like design categories and, you know, com- mm-hmm. combining things and sort of reinventing, reinventing yeah. the different, um, the different categories for that, um, you know, mm-hmm. to re- also just like reflect the current, current social um, landscape that we're in. Yeah, um, definitely. definitely. Like there's so many, there's so many artists in, in terms of the Tonys, like categories that are just completely overlooked. And mm-hmm. it's disappointing because like, I mean, it's one thing, like it's the same with like any awards show, like the Oscars, the, the Tonys, the Emmys, whatever, um, that they don't, really matter but they do (laughs) Um, I wouldn't mind a Tony (laughs) no of course not but like it really doesn't like I don't know um what 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 am I trying to say it doesn't like define like a person's talent or worth in, in any sort of way because obviously there are like tons of performers and actors and people who haven't been recognized who definitely should or would in different uh, circumstances and different lights and different categories so mm-hmm. um I totally agree about the like reinvention of the categories thing I think it's time absolutely absolutely and I'm so I'm really glad that we're also talking about this again this is a platform for a lot of these ideas and these thoughts and these voices to be heard so um putting that out there and um what's the word and amplifying this is really needed especially for when you know the world turns back up but um (laughs) didn't but when it turns back up and yeah I'm I'm just very happy that a lot of us are thinking about these things and um it's not just us too it's not us thinking about this and talking about it amongst each other right now. There are so many people having these conversations in their living rooms and their kitchens through FaceTime, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm just very excited for a lot of us. Yeah. When, yeah. <laughs> really quickly, I just wanted to talk about like, I just wanted to ask you guys maybe just to like, 
round it out on uh on the topic again like what is one like we asked christian uh, christian this what is one time that you guys were like so incredibly uncertain about something that you had to like reevaluate a lot of things and like what was your thought process how how did you get through that moment i really felt it when christian talked about um having a show in mind for so long and then having the platform and the chance and opportunity to finally do it. But during this time, he felt like it was very important for voice for voices and stories to be heard and to be told. And I really felt that because before COVID, I was in the same position too. I was with an amazing team and an amazing cast and just overall, like I was so happy um, with the fact that for a script that I was holding on for so long and a story that I was holding on for so long, um, it was finally going to be produced and co-directed and just, you know, um, all the good things. And then COVID happened and that broke me, not going to lie. Even to this day, there's a little bit of me that's like, Oh, that hurts. That hurts. Because I found my superheroes in theater. Are you kidding me? A cast full of women being awesome. Like, I, there's, <laughs> like, I don't, speechless, honestly, like, speechless. Um, so, yeah, there was that. And um, going, like, I had that conversation with myself again this week. And I eventually just talked about it with my mentors. Um, and specifically, one of them said, you can find a way to still do this, or there is another show, there's another project that can come in and not necessarily take that place, but still fulfill you in the way uh, that you were excited for that first project that you mm-hmm. first had. Yeah. Uh, and I opened back up my Google Drive for my for my thesis, for my undergraduate thesis, especially my deliverable. And I, yeah, oh yeah, I did feel. And I read the script that I had in mind over again and it sparked, it sparked. And it's a completely different script. It's more towards um, what my thesis is talking about, but it sparked and I immediately just started going through it and thinking so many things and trying to plan out everything. Um, But again, like that, I'm still living in uncertainty. But that was a long period of, that was six, almost seven months of uncertainty of just what's the next thing. And eventually it will come into place somehow, some way, someday. Someday. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would say along the same lines of, um, you know, finding that spark again. Um, And what Mm -hmm. Kristen said about um, not really seeing any work. um, He was like totally just like, in love with and so like creating his own and being able to finally having the space to do it um I'm currently struggling on finding an acting thesis for myself for the spring for my senior (laughs) thesis Mm -hmm. um and that is a current uncertain struggle that I'm trying to figure out this week um but um I also have my own project I'm doing um in a couple weeks of putting up a a night of of Asian American written theater of scenes and monologues. And that has very much ignited another spark in me. and sort of subsided yeah. some of that uncertainty yeah. about, you know, doing theater 
Um, yes. That's that's my answer. Cool. For me, I would say, I mean, again, COVID related because what else is on the mind? Nothing. Um, basically, mine was graduating. I was like, not really sure. I like, again, I'm so future thinking because of my anxiety. I just like think about the future all the time. And like, obviously, it never pans out the way that I plan because life is like that. Um, and I had basically everything sort of generally planned out. And and then, of course, March happened. I was interning for Zach Theater and I got laid off because, I mean, not to say that they undervalued me and not to say that interns are unimportant, but like I was basically the first to go because like they they needed to like salvage people's full time jobs and not like my part time internship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically I was like, what the F am I going to do? <laughs> because I was planning on basically like maybe living at home for like the summer, like a couple of months and then like moving into New York City with my friend and just like living my life, getting like a good job in like a theater, like admin situation and just like living my adult life and that's like what my fantasy was and then I was um slammed into COVID mode and I was unemployed and I was like what am I gonna do and I'm still in that sort of mode I'm working part-time at a like party store right now not party city it's like a local you know (laughs) support small businesses (laughs) um but like I don't know what my next step is and I think like for me what really helps me to like get out of my like crazy anxiety mindset is just to say like that's okay because right now like no one knows what's going on yeah and again even in regular circumstances it's okay to be uncertain about basically everything like you don't need to have all the answers um and if like I don't know. I, I It's just, it's okay to be uncertain. You should l- try to learn. And if this is obviously easier said than done, I'm like preaching to the choir, but like um, try to sit with the uncertainty and like realize why you feel uncomfortable and try to get more comfortable with it. Um, but yeah, COVID is a thing and it very much is. It We're excited sucks. to tackle this all together in this age of uncertainty. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, yeah. Retweet. Retweet. Um, thank you all awesome. so much for listening. Uh, yes. We're looking forward to releasing our next episodes for you over the course of the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. Keep our... Um... Keep a lookout for our like Instagram posts at BPN interns and Keep um, submitting questions. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. The form is linked in our bio. And um, have a great life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that, but yeah. I mean it. <laughs> but we understand what you meant, Charlotte. Thank you. <laughs> no, right. definitely, though. Again, we want to hear from you. And again, thank you so much for listening in. Stay tuned for next time. Bye, Bye, y'all. Bye.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.